Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Um, I'm very excited for this episode. Uh, I'm bringing on ultra runner Caitlin Yonke. Uh, Caitlin's been on the show before, um, and this time she is bringing her mom, Sue Morgan, on the podcast. And I, I think this is a really cool episode because you can see how Caitlin's ultra running, Caitlin's like passion for this sport has inspired her mom to become a runner I think that's so cool and then ultimately we end up talking about like a deeper topic Um, uh, Caitlin's dad was diagnosed with multiple multiple sclerosis uh, MS and we talk about that quite a bit in this episode and we kind of see how his journey through that process has inspired both Caitlin and Sue um, and how uh, they become really passionate about helping out this uh, program called MS Run the U.S. Um, and how that their involvement in that has been a really important part for their journey into running and into the sport. And, and kind of like the deeper topic of, you know, having that reason why. You know, why are you going out and and, you know, doing these really, really hard things? I mean, it's hard. There are moments where you're really having to dig deep. And if you're digging deep based on something that is so much greater than yourself, um, that's really going to be this big motivation factor to kind of push you through. So. I am very excited. I'm very honored to have them both on the podcast. Um, Before we get started, though, I do want to say I was completely blown away by everybody who had sent me uh, birthday messages. Um, My wife, Lindsay, uh, posted something to the Facebook group, um, and just the amount of you know, well wishes and all that was completely overwhelming. Uh, It was incredible. So I want to say I I appreciate everybody who took their time to say something kind and nice. Uh, That stuff really does is really motivating and really like just brings a smile to my face and like spreads some positivity. Uh, So that was awesome that that made my day. And I just want to say, if you're listening to the podcast, I appreciate all of you all for um, giving this podcast a shot. Um, Hopefully, you're learning something from it. Hopefully, it's entertaining. Hopefully, it's inspiring you to go out and and take on big challenges in your own life. Um, So, thank you so much. Uh, And all that being said, we're like five and a half years into this podcast project, and you'd think that I would have audio stuff figured out. Um, And then every once in a while, after recording an amazing episode like the one you're about to listen to, uh, I check the file and I'm like, why is my mic super loud and then the guest mic super quiet? And I am not a technical genius at all. So... Um, I did my best to correct the audio in this one. Um, so there's going to be moments where it's going to be funky. It's going to be weird. And I apologize. And I apologize to Caitlin and Sue, um, more than anybody, honestly. But, uh, but yeah, so I did my best to correct it. Stick with me. Um, it's a really amazing story that you're going to want to hear. And I think it's list like re-listening to it now it's not nearly as wild before it was like a roller coaster of my mic and their mic so um but so yeah that's that's uh is unfortunate but we did our best to to fix it up so um but yeah let's get into the show um very excited for this one this is the like a bigfoot podcast number 285 with caitlin yonke and sue morgan Today, I am joined once again with Caitlin Yonke. Uh, super excited to talk with her. She said an FKT, um, which I'm very excited to hear about. Um, but even more exciting, I think, Caitlin, 
is your mom, Sue Morgan, is on the show. And uh, I'm just psyched. She is also a runner, um, takes on some of these big things with you. Um, I'm kind of uh, very curious to hear your perspective, too, on the whole ultra running side of things and like how that might have changed through Caitlin's running career. Um, but yeah, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's a very festive holiday. You know, this is probably going up after the holidays, but very fe- we're a couple of days before Christmas. So, you know, family always welcome. Yeah, yeah. But all right. Well, um, yeah, I kind of, Caitlin, we've, you've been on the show a couple of times. Uh, we've somewhat heard your story into ultra running, and we're going to come back to that in a little bit. But Sue, I want to hear, I know Caitlin's been messaging me some kind of topics to talk about and stuff. And she mentioned that you weren't a runner uh, until about 10 years ago. Um, So I kind of want to just hear your whole perspective on on that. Sure. Um, So that's true. I've been running for about nine and a half years. Before that, I didn't do anything. My husband, who was an avid cyclist, got me a bike and sat in the garage. The he and the kids went. I was happy to, you know, let them go do their thing, and I did my thing, which was not that. Um, and then after my husband was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2010, um, a couple of years later, Caitlin called me and said, "Hey, mom, you want to run the CSU homecoming 5K with me?" And I literally laughed and I said, "Caitlin, I've never run a mile." let alone three. So, and at the time, literally, I had to ask her how far a 5K was. So that's how not into running uh, I was. So she said, don't worry, I'll, I'll get y'all ready. And we went and got shoes. And I started by running for, in our neighborhood from one lamp post to the next <laughs> and walk and run and Um, did that first 5k and wasn't sure I'd ever do another one but um, I did find that it was hard it was exhilarating for me and it was a became a good way for Caitlin and I to bond together we run a lot and a good way for me to deal with MS therapy if you will so yeah so that's how I got into running yeah how how soon after that 5k did you make the declaration of i'm never doing this again and then how soon after that did you just say maybe I'll, maybe i'll do that again it was pretty much as soon as i crossed that finish line chris mm-hmm. i said nope not doing that again and then afterwards <clears throat> caitlin kept saying mom you did it you worked so hard you did it you are a runner you can do this and i thought oh okay maybe maybe i maybe i am and um it's you know, I still struggle with that. Even now, am I really a runner? You know, I listen to all these ultra running podcasts, and I know a ton of ultra runners, but that's not my jam. Um, you know, 5k, 10k, you know, going out for a seven, eight mile trail run. I'm happy. with that. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're just out running, like at all, and even if it's away from like the neighbor's dog or something, like you you, it counts, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I I have to ask this too because I know you've climbed uh, a few of the 14ers at this point. Um, I have that same reaction every time I hike up a 14er, which is the whole like I'm never I'm never doing this again. This is pure miserableness. Um, do you feel like it was that similar to your 5K experience? Um, well, I think that the 14er experiences are much more magnified than. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So yeah, every time the first time I uh, hiked a 14er was with Caitlin and we did Mount Albert, which I call my Mount Everest. Um, It was a hard day. And I was, you know, coming back down and in my head, of course, I'd never say anything to Caitlin. I thought I am never doing this again. When is the next time I'm doing this again? I'm never doing this again. But I could do this again. So you know, you just do that internal struggle. Yeah. And um, we got down um, at the trailhead and Caitlin said, so mom, would you do this again? I said, yes, but only with wizard sticks. So <laughs> I, we got us me some trekking poles and we just keep going. 
yeah I, think I may have scared her off like almost forever at the start of that because she thought Albert was going to be 20 miles because I said it's just 10 miles she's like to the top <laughs> I said no round trip mom so I think she was already like that we had to do like 10 miles to get to the top then 10 miles to get back down that's true but once once i said like no just round trip it's just 10 miles total today yeah a little bit more at ease that it wasn't going to be like anything crazy well and maybe it's a strategy you start with them thinking it's 20 and then you say no 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 it's just 10 it's just 10 just 10 just 10 up this mountain Nice. There you go. Oh, now that one is long. <laughs> um, I will say this, like, this is, might be an embarrassing thing to admit. Every time I look on in like the 14 or guidebook or online and I'm seeing like how long a trail is, I never know. I'm like, is it 10 out and then 10 back? Like I still, I still can't figure that out. You know, because I feel like sometimes it's like, yeah, that's that's what it is. And then other times it's like, no, it's only it's 10 round trip. I'm like, oh, my gosh, just put in the word round trip. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's so worded weird. Yeah, we should fix that. That's my 2022 goal. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> fix the book. Um, so, Sue, when and, and Caitlin's kind of always been an athlete, right? Like has was she always an athlete growing up and all that? They're shaking no, their heads now. Not so much. So Caitlin, um, both of my parents were music teachers, and I had the great um, luck of having both of them as teachers growing up. So we, I grew up with a lot of music, and our kids grew up with a lot of music in our house, and they both played instruments. Caitlin was an amazing clarinetist. Um, all through middle school and high school and college. And so she went bike riding with her dad on the weekends at home and maybe ran a little bit with him around the neighborhood growing up, but, but was more into the music and the band. And it wasn't until college really um, as a way to get herself out of the practice room. She thought, you know what? I need to get out and do something. So she yeah. started started running nice and then so from there like how 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 quickly into her running did you start running oh wow good question I started running in 2012 yeah and when did you start in college which was 2007 nice she was I was just trying to build up a timeline in my mind because at a certain point, Caitlin comes to you and is like, Hey, I'm going to start running blank miles, like hundred miles and all this like craziness to like someone who doesn't have like, I, I mean, most people haven't heard of ultra running. So then someone comes up to their parents and is like, I'm going to run a hundred miles. And they're like over like a month or a couple months or what? And like, no, in one day, like, what was your reaction to that? Well, the whole ultra thing actually started with Caitlin signing up to run a marathon. Okay. She had never, ever done before. And she decided she was going to run that marathon in honor of her dad who couldn't run with her anymore. And because she was not fully trained or learned, if you will, in long distance running, she, yeah. Well, I love you. She got injured. And while she was sitting on her sofa, healing and having a little pity party about why she can't run, she ran into a video, ran onto a video in, um, on YouTube about a guy with MS running up and over Loveland Pass. Wow. So she began researching who was this guy and why was he doing it and came upon the organization MS Run US and decided if he could do it, with MS, she sure could do it too. So she called me and said, Hey mom, I signed up to run a marathon a day for six days. <laughs> and I said, really? And she said, yes, I did. And I said, all right, when are we doing this? That's awesome. So that was our first leap, if you will, feet first into 
ultra running or running long distance was her first relay, which is in 2009. That's so cool. Yeah, no, that's, I love the idea that you're just like, I couldn't run this marathon. So I'm going to do a marathon a day. Like that's, yeah, that's so cool. And I know, um, talking to you before Caitlin, like MS run the U S is a very big part of your journey. And like, even to this day, like you mentioned, that was the first kind of, kind of big event for you, but even to this day, that's something you're really attached to. Um, can you guys just talk a little bit about your attachment to that, uh, organization and what it means to you? Oh, sure. So Caitlin, found the relay probably when our whole family needed it the most because what we found there was you know a group of dedicated runners some with ms some not um willing to give up you know a week of their summer or spring break or whatever to run uh for a week uh, to raise money and awareness for ms so caitlin ran in 2014 my husband and i went with her and and tag along with the crew every day. And I actually started out every morning running a few miles with her. And um, at that time, Bill could walk some. And so he would walk the last half mile, walk her in the last half mile. And uh, 2016, he wasn't able to walk it anymore with her, but I ran every morning. And, and in the middle of every day. And in the middle she of the day. About, she did about eight. Miles, we tallied it up. She was only planning to do a 10K in 2016 some days. Some days she actually did like eight. I think one day she did like 10. Nice. So like we would break up the day. I'd get halfway through each day, and that's how I broke it up. Like when I was doing the mile days. 15 miles in, I'd look across the road and be like, all right, Mom, come on. <laughs> and we'd go do three or four more miles together. And it was a great way to kind of break up the monotony of running through these vast landscapes from Denver, first thing about teams to Denver. And it was also a nice way to just have her and I time because like she said, it came at a time when we needed it the most first year. We were kind of in that stage of um, not really acceptance, but stage of anger when it came to grief. We were angry at MS. And so we really needed to pop out the pavement and really get to the next stage of kind of acceptance that it's here. And then I don't know if there's a stage of grief where it's realizing that it's okay and realizing it's okay to bring in a community. And in 2016, that was our year of bringing in a community and saying, well, if it's here, we're going to make sure that we can fight for it. And that was kind of a great way to have her in the middle of the day is kind of this nice little solitude of we're thankful for it not being anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I think, the stage of grief it's a weird acceptance, but it's always just like, this is here. Like, there's nothing I can do about it being here or not. And yeah, yeah. No, and continue to move. Sorry. How do we continue to move forward through it? Yeah. Yeah. Could you guys kind of, I mean, if someone's listening and they don't know what MS or what, what it is, can you guys kind of just describe a little bit? I had a professor in college. She was my absolute favorite. She was my anatomy professor. And I remember she got diagnosed that year as she was a professor and it was like pretty, she was definitely trying to deal with it and process and things like that. So MS is um, a disease where the individual's own immune system begins to um, attack the outside covering of your nerve. Um, and so a great way to imagine it is to think of an extension cord or your phone cord. So if it gets frayed, the little tiny wires inside or the nerves can't talk to each other and you go to plug in your cell phone and you don't get a signal. Well, the same thing happens with MS and it impacts an individual's um, central nervous system, which is their brain, um, your spinal cord or your optic nerves. So it depends on where those lesions or those breaks in the cord are, um, which will determine some how MS impacts an individual. And it will impact, every person with MS is impacted differently. Mm -hmm. Some people might have vision issues. 
Some people might have tingling or numbness in their limbs. Some people um, have paralysis. So again, it just depends on how um, deep or big those lesions are and where they occur. Yeah. And what makes it so difficult to find a cure for it is because it affects everyone so differently and because there is no specific foreign treatment. So like with Parkinson's, there is no known origin of what Parkinson's is and its effects and all of that stuff. With MS, since we don't know if it's genetic, it's because of lack of vitamin D, because there is such a long list of potential causes, we are having a hard time pinpointing how to best way to treat it and how best way to treat it. Yeah. So there are drugs to help prevent, like not slow it down, slow it down prevent onset of a lot of different symptoms but there is no cure or prevention. It's just ways to treat. Yeah. And so MS run the U S kind of like it's raising money and awareness to, um, for, for research in it. Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay. Awesome. There's two main, uh, resort research organizations that the relay contributes to. And they also, the board also votes or makes decisions about individuals who have need and they may provide money for a ramp for someone's home or an electric wheelchair or <clears throat> how to drive a vehicle with hand controls instead of foot controls. So they will help individuals uh, that way as well. Yeah. Hey, Caitlin, can you scooch a little closer to your mom? Not to like bring you guys together uh, on the, ah, oh, there we go, on the holidays. <laughs> um, so, and I think the thing probably that is the, the grieving process is you have someone who's really active like your dad and and now he's not unable to be as active like on that same level yeah is there a bit so i saw on uh your instagram you got him out onto one of the trails it was the uh rio grand a real rio grand gorge trail um on a little like hand bike and it was awesome so is there a like, I guess I, what I want you guys to do is like, try to talk to the idea of like encouraging people to still push their limits, you know, because of what you can gain from these outdoor experiences, even when it's really difficult like that. You know, the neat thing is since Bill has been diagnosed, we have a new saying mantra in our house, which is our new 100%. So Bill can't get out on his two-wheel bike and race anymore, and his, and his new 100% allows him to get out on this two-hand trikes that he built himself, adapted trike, so he can get out and enjoy the outdoors and do what he loves and get out of the house, get out of the wheelchair, and he's on his own, he's independent. And, um, and as long as you can, challenge yourself, right? What is your new 100% today? We talk about this a lot. Every run is not a good run. Some days they're crap, right? You know, no matter how far you you run, but you know what? Every run is a gift. And today happened to be my 100% for today. As long as I gave it my all, that's my new 100%. Yeah. I love that he built that bike. That is so cool. Yeah, it was really cool to get out there. Um, my husband, Brandon, has probably loves to steer it more than any of us. He had so much fun. But it was really cool to get out there on a real trail. We live near um, the East West Trail, like over in Douglas County, which is a pretty tame gravel grinder trail. But this one had a lot of big rocks. and mm-hmm. It's really fun to watch Dad kind of really negotiate the best way to move over experience to see him really back to what he loved to do and that was I mean he loved road riding but to get to see him back on a mountain bike and he looked up at all of us and said I think I'm just gonna quit yeah and that was a really cool experience to get to share that with him and to watch that joy because we knew it was hard Mm -hmm. we knew it was tough we we've all been there we've all put ourselves in those tough and uncomfortable situations but 
he negotiated that trail even when it was tough for him because he loved it and he he knew it was going to be hard yet he said let's do this and that's so cool and he may have needed help getting up some of those hills because it was i can't even imagine i mean i've tried that bike and i don't know how he does it he's got more (laughs) arm strength than any of us combined But to be able to negotiate the best way to get up and over those rocks for him brought him so much joy. And that that meant more to any of us than I think he did. Yeah, yeah. No, that's so cool. I love the idea of our new 100% because I think it's the same idea of like giving yourself a little bit of grace. You know, like even as an athlete, you go through ups and downs and peaks and valleys in your performance and like what you're able to output. And I think that can really get into the mind, especially like Caitlin, like you're really competitive. Like you're a very competitive, very fast runner. I am definitely not as, you know, I'm wearing my uh, baby Yoda sweater, slowly trying to catch up with our friend Tim this morning. Um, And I think though, like it can get in people's minds of like, oh, I didn't run last week. I ran this trail faster or I felt better. Um, but I think like having the mindset of like, well, what's my 100% today? Like maybe you have a lot going on in your life. Maybe it's, you know, it's the holiday season. There's a lot going on, you know? So maybe your run's not going to be exactly as perfect as you think. So I think that advice is just, it can be used in any walk of life anywhere. I use it in my races when I'm, you know, 60 miles deep in Minnesota, you know, it might be this set of five miles is my hundred percent right now and how can I give that hundred percent my best and it might turn around in 10 more miles but for right now we're going to give it this 100 percent and that's okay it might be 30 minute miles but we're going to give it what I got yeah and that's okay and it could turn around <laughs> getting worse <laughs> For right now, it's my 100%. And if you don't give your 100%, then why are you out there on the trail? Yeah. Some of my clients that at work, because some of them can't raise their arms above their head. Some of them can't touch their toes, and they're going to do the best with what they've got. Because that's also the 100% of you. Yeah. Do the best with what you've got while you've still got it. And then that <laughs> means you're going to have a great day because you're given it your best. Yeah. So you're speaking to one race. I was like, my only goal for the next five miles is to eat this one fig Newton because my stomach <laughs> hurts so bad. I'm like, I'm going to eat this. Fig. And then I ate it and I like fist pumped to nobody. No one was around, but they would have seen a man finish a fig Newton and then fist pump. So <laughs> that's, all it takes, though, right? <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. Um, so, so was there any, so Sue, was there any like, um, moment so you were there from the beginning of caitlin ultra running so maybe there wasn't as much but was there any moment where you're like you get the mom worries going on you know like you're like oh maybe she's pushing it too far too fast like like did you ever have that no not not really and i think the reason is her dad really taught uh caitlin and her brother um about fueling and hydrating mm, okay she knew what to do out there on the trail um so i've not run an ultra run, an ultra race before but i'm probably one of the best darn poo bosses she'll ever have um so i can give her tough mama love mm-hmm. um, when she comes into the aid or the crew station and know by looking at her are you eating have you taking care of yourself and look at the color and tell her, okay, got to eat, got to drink, got to do these things. And, um, we just have this great understanding. I mean, she and I have a great mother daughter relationship, but when I'm pooing her, um, we're not, what do we want to say? Like tough love. It is tough love. Um, we have a good system and, and we know not to take anything personally while we're out there that she's got a job to do, which is to cross that finish line. And I've got a job to do, which is to make sure she gets there. So. Yeah. Yeah. And plus when, 
when the advice is coming from your mom though, it's like, it just hits a little bit more, you know? <laughs> She's yelled at me for not eating in a three mile stretch at Speedco, which uh -huh. I really deserve. Um, but we have the system, like I get to an aid station and if I don't give her just one to cheek on the way out, I'm in big doo-doo with the next aid station. So that's just the only like tough love rule. And we have one kind of mantra that is mm -hmm. kind of like my rule to drop is, are you loving it? If I'm not loving it out there, then why am I out there? Yeah. Yes, I'm competitive, but the whole reason we do this is because we love to I love climbing the mountains. I love racing, but I love being out on the trail. If you're not loving it, yes, it hurts in the moment, right? It's, you know, mile 35 is painful. Mile 10, it could be painful. But internally, you love the fact that you're out there. But if you're not loving it, truly loving the process, then you should be doing it. Yeah. And she yeah. always asks me that question. And I've answer, asked, answered no. And is that where you, did you drop that one? Because I knew if I continued to do that, I would be Yeah, yeah. Well, I. Every time I say yes, even if I'm hurting a little bit. Yeah. Do you ever say it like this, like yes, like? No, she no. Are you like yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and you know, I I will also never ask her if she's gonna drop her Dan out. So I will never ask that because I want that decision to always come from her um, and not ever question whether or not it was me asking her to mm -hmm. help her make that decision. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like, so I'll interview people on the podcast sometime and they have like a big event coming up or something that they're training for. And sometimes I like ask a question like, are you worried about blah, blah, blah. But in the back of my head, I'm like, why don't ask that? Maybe they haven't even thought of that yet. Like why I don't want to implant like inception somebody right. into being worried, but yeah. So I totally would understand that perspective as a crew member. You're like, you know, if you're like, Hey, you're limping, how's your foot? And they're like, I didn't even know I was limping. But yeah. I guess my foot hurts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I want to hear about the Highline Canal FKT. Um, how, when did you decide you were going to take that on and, and how did you train for it? And then what was the experience like? So last year going into white rim, I kind of want, threw around the idea of maybe running Highline as a training endeavor mm -hmm. and then just never got around to it. And then our buddy Kyle Bakari ran it on the world's worst day to do it. And that's when it's the snow. And we decided it was like the best dumb idea to do because it's a really fun dumb idea. And it was so fun to just watch him do something hard for no reason without putting on a pound. And it was fun to help somebody. And then this past year, my A race for me personally went awry. And that was the race where I wasn't loving it. Everything stomach wise, just it didn't sit right. What race was that? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Just nothing went right. Nothing felt good. And I knew if I signed up for another race, it just wouldn't, my heart wouldn't be in it. Yeah. And I'm a big advocate for doing good. And I found an organization here that takes people to the top of their tiers who are in wheelchairs or are um, need mobile assistance. And they take them up in adaptive chairs. And it's called the Walk. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if we could create some awareness for those in wheelchair? And so they raised, um, so I partnered with them to raise money and awareness for them on a trail that anybody in a wheelchair or anybody who has an accessible device, whether it's a walker, a cane, um, or needs an accessible device, can get up there. Yeah. Because the Highline Canal is 67 miles probably the most accessible trail in the state. That's a lot of people. It's probably the only trail in Colorado that's accessible. 
Where what uh where does it start at and where does it end? It starts in Waterton Canyon and ends okay. in Green Mountain. Okay, that's why I I thought I've been on it before at Waterton, but yeah. yeah. And part of it's like this crushed gravel, and the other parts pavement, and it winds through the city, and so you get a good view of like everything, different sites of the city, and so it was really cool to immerse yourself in Denver in a different perspective, and that was another reason too of like. How can people in Denver that want that be immersed in Denver but feel like they're a little bit in nature, go through all these parks, and then people who may need to be in wheelchairs or may need walkers feel like they can get on the path and be outdoors and show that we can do this together and bring a community and kind of tie all those things together, be in a community, raise awareness, and put it towards an organization that does a really cool thing taking people to the top of 14ers that would never see the top of a 14er. Yeah. And so that was my goal. And I thought if I can do it in the fastest known time, great. <laughs> if it takes me 20 hours to hike it in, fantastic. If I have to crawl, perfect. <laughs> if I need dad to wheel me in, even better. <laughs> so, you know, my thought was, I just want to show that we can do this. And it was probably one of the most fun times I have ever had because every like six miles I had a new pacer. I had several different pacers the whole time. I had Kyle Patari come out for the last like 20, 22 miles who had set the FKT last year come out and join me and pace me the last 20. Um, and he really kept me like on track for the goal, but it was really fun to have different people each chunk of miles that were so supportive of the goal as well as have mom be crew chief and dad be co-crew chief and to just have people be there in community and be of support. And I knew by like the first aid stop that this was going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was really what it was. It was just a fun day with friends and running hard. It, I will say it hurt by the end. I can't do cement and then just flat trail too. It's just that repetitiveness just destroys your legs. It sets me apart. Yeah. It sounds fascinating because it sounds like a completely almost different experience from White Rim FKT. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about FKTs is like, depending on what you're taking on, it's going to be wildly different. And it was because White Room was so, it was so much solitude and like this beautiful landscape. It was so serene. It was only like me and four other people. And we had a great time in the desert. And then here I am traversing Denver with a whole crew of people. We have to go under bridges and homeless encampments and like this whole city trek. Um, we went through, Kyle and I went through a prairie dog probably prairie dog encampment <laughs> one over and he laughed at it but it was like this whole like complete polar opposite of one another yet it was still that same intent of we're good and regardless of what the end outcome was it was still doing something for good and I think the best part at the end was I knew my last three miles yeah and i never imagined when i started this because he has hasn't been able to run since i was in college that i'd get the opportunity to have my dad pace me because no race is gonna let a bike pace you but i got a trike to pace me in the end so that's the beauty of fkts you got a trike yeah you get to make up your own adventure which is right? awesome I make up my own adventure my motorcycle so i got a bike pacer yeah <laughs> that's awesome no so yeah congratulations on that i think i sent i might have sent you a message when you finished it um and having not fully knew known the whole story behind it or like why you're doing it or anything like that so that's incredible can you say the foundation one more time that you're supporting yeah the lockwood foundation okay yeah. nice Pueblo, but they do two main trips. Last year they did two main trips up Albert 
and then one trip up your stat circle for 2022 it's three trips up over nice which takes usually about 25 to 30 volunteers yeah trip. okay so that's a lot of people and if listeners are interested sign up to be a volunteer because it takes a lot of people to help carry one of those chairs to the top yeah yeah, I'm I'm interested, so I'm gonna look that up. Yeah. So Lockwood and do you know the website? Is it like dot org or something? Lockwood Foundation. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, that sounds like a great way to spend a day. Like, why would you not want to do that? No, that's amazing. Yeah. Heck yeah best day or wait was the i was trying to tell my kid this this morning and i can't even remember why but the like worst day of fishing is better than the best day of work that whole saying <laughs> it's the same with 14ers you know oh yeah because my daughter's like i heard those cookies aren't good i'm like Psh, worst cookies better than most other stuff so <laughs> i failed at making up a quote that's what i do as as a dad i'm not i'm not great at quoting you know, <laughs> um, but Sue, I want to ask you really quick uh, before we start wrapping up about the 14ers experiences so far. So you started with Elbert. That's the tallest one in Colorado. So you knock that one out and you're like, you know what? These all these other ones aren't nearly as tall. Maybe I'll just go after that. <laughs> well, you, you should start though with the story of why you picked Elbert. Ooh, okay. So she, she came in the house one day and said, oh, my friend and I are going to hike beer stat and clearly out of the blue, because I never dreamed that I would, one, be a runner or two, ever climb a 14er. And I lived here almost 30 years. I looked at Caitlin and I said, well, we should do a 14er. And I think her mouth hit the floor. She said, okay, what would you like? Which one would you like to do? And I said, well, which one's the taller? <laughs> she said, Albert. And I said, and what's it, you know, is it easy? Is it hard? She goes, well, it's rated one. That's the easiest or two or whatever. And um, I said, all right, let's do it. Let's rip off that Band-Aid. So yeah. That's yeah. how I ended up doing Albert first. So, Have you had one that was particularly challenging to you or, or any kind of like experience on there that was difficult besides the general, like you're climbing a giant mountain? Yes, as a matter of fact, Caitlin and her brother Nick and I did, um, was it Sherman this summer with a win? Yeah. And um, which Caitlin and I climbed the year before. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of loose gravel coming back down and it's yeah. not that many miles. But we hit wind shears up at the summit, which we could hardly stand up. And it was probably the scariest time for all three of us i think on a 14 or with the wind it was yeah. um just whipping and people were crouched down people were scooting and it's like we just got to keep going so we just kept you know inching our way down we made it and um i was thinking in my mind okay i've got a uh i've got a uh um, sleeping bag in my pack, you know, one of those little Ziploc sacks. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We've got plenty of food. We've all got plenty of water. If we get stranded up here, we'll be fine. But you know, the mom yeah. thing, I'm doing all that, but more importantly, I thought we just have to keep moving. Yeah. Um, and we finally got down out of the wind. Um, but that was the scariest. Yeah. Uh, adventure. That's the thing with 14ers. Cause everyone, you know, if you like looked online, it would say, Sherman's the e quote unquote easiest 14 or whatever. And you're like, okay, so people go out and do it, but you could get caught in the craziest storms ever. So no 14 is easy. I always try to tell people that they're all hard and you're at 14,000 feet and it's difficult. And you have to be prepared and you have to be, you know, make good decisions. And there's been a couple we've turned around on. We just weren't um, we were prepared, but we weren't willing to go on and risk <clears throat> getting injured or hurt. Yeah. So that's a tough call to make, but it's the best call. Yeah, definitely. And my wife and I have turned around uh, on a couple. Um, 
just because of like storms coming in. I'm like, I don't want to mess with these. I'm not messing with storms. Um, and then my wife's other strategy for climbing mountains though, she's always like, when it gets really hard, I'm like, I'm going to like buy myself that nice coat I've always wanted. Like when I get down, I'm giving myself permission. I'm like, yes. All right. But, uh, but yeah. Um, so to kind of wrap up though, I, I did this, uh, I recorded another podcast this morning and, um, I, I was like, oh, that was like actually a really cool idea because it would give us unique perspectives from every guest. Um, and I don't have it in here. So I'm just, I'm in my kitchen right now. So I don't have this, but in my office, I have the periodic table of adventure from Semirad, which is like the coolest. I don't know if you've ever read his stuff, Caitlin. That's insane. Yeah. yeah, he's amazing. He's super funny and all this stuff, but he made a whole entire periodic table and each like letter has like, sweat wind speaking of wind wind sleet blood like um you know stuff like that so if you guys had to add to the periodic table of adventure um what element would you add based on your experiences so probably one of the best most memorable adventures she and i have had together was mother's day in 2014 in the Wasatch Mountains in Utah, mm -hmm. during the relay, during the relay um, we got snowed on, we got rained on, we got sleeted on, all within the same morning. <laughs> so we hit it all. She was wearing goggles. We were, yeah, we were out there trying to get some miles done for the relay. But that was probably, we'd add that. And I don't know if there's a, some kind of periodic symbol. Goggles. It's just precipitation. Yeah. yeah. Precipitation. <laughs> it's all its glory. <laughs> what about you, Caitlin? What would you add? I feel like dirt is probably on there, but dirt, dirt and dust. Because I feel like living out here, you can't get done with a run and not have dirt on you, or like Ken and Marilee say at Leadville, like if you fall and like cut yourself like just rub dirt in it and keep moving like I just feel like that's the running hiking mantra of, like just rub some dirt in it you'll be fine like and you just keep moving forward because it's just dirt just dirt dirt don't and, and I've seen some <laughs> runners who like they fall and like they get something dirty and they panic and it's like it's just it's dirt I want Sue I want you to make a shirt that just says dirt don't hurt I was like, that's a shirt right there. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Where can people kind of like follow your journey? Um, you know, where, where you guys can link them to like what uh, you're supporting and, and all that stuff. Sure. I'm on Instagram at mama Sue runs. I'm on Instagram at KK And then I am the head coach for run underscore infinite which is one of our nice awesome and uh ms run the u.s and the lockwood foundation definitely like check those out and support those ms run the u.s is now posting their new team yep they will start running across the country for their ninth year on nice are you participating in that i am not i am the coach for the relay this year so i could Nice. That's, yeah. Full circle, full circle. Yeah. Awesome. They can't, get, they can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, it was awesome talking with you. Let's run sometime. That would be great. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this week's episode. Uh, huge thanks to Caitlin. Huge thanks to Sue. Uh, that was just fun. And it's really like it really is inspiring to me to see to see like a family that has persevered through really really uh you know hard times hard adjustments and and especially when you know life kind of throws those curveballs at you and you know making the best of it and and still aiming to like you know Hit, hit a home run with that um that is huge those two are awesome 
the story about their dad riding the bike with Caitlin was just, I mean, even thinking about it brings tears to my eyes because how cool is that? That's amazing. Um, and on top of it, Caitlin is just an absolute badass athlete and uh, her husband Brandon is as well. And I just saw Brandon is signed up for the Leadville 100 next year. Um, so best of luck, you know, during the training and, and all of that for him. Uh, that That's so awesome. So, so yeah. Uh, so thank you guys for coming on the show. Um, all right. That wraps up this episode. So um, it's been, it's been a week. It's been a busy week. Um, we are actually going out as a film crew to Salt Lake City this weekend. We're getting some pickup interviews uh, for the um, Desert Rats film, uh, which will have a an actual title sometime soon, hopefully. Um, but yeah, we're we're continuing to strive forward on that project. Um, I'm really excited. I get to meet up with my buddy Paul, who's just like the man. I just he's the best. Like I just love any second I can hang out with that guy. Um, he's incredible. And then. Uh, our friend James are coming out. We're going to interview a couple of the racers, get some pickup interviews um, from the Desert Rats race this summer. So, uh, so yeah, progress is being made on that front, which is super exciting. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that uh, for the time and the energy, <laughs> because let me tell you, that project i i think i told someone i'm like dude i think i've worked harder on the film project than any any project i've worked on ever in my life you know um but we're getting we're getting there we're making making steps forward on it which is super cool um so yeah anyways we're gonna come back to you guys next week uh really excited i'm going to be sitting down i'm gonna be talking to cody townsend uh, who has one of my favorite things. Uh, he does all these films on YouTube called The 50. Um, they're like ski mountaineering videos. He's incredible. Uh, he ran his first ultra marathon, the first 50K. Uh, so we talk a little bit about that along with um, some of these bigger ski mountaineering adventures. So especially if you want to prepare yourself, watch the Mount St. Elias episode um, that I think was their most recent episode slash end of season three um on that series so so yeah so that'll be next week uh yeah we'll get back at you then